everybody, and welcome to Unprofessional. I am Dave Wiskus, joined by my good friend and yours, Mr. Lex Friedman. Hi, Dave. Hi, Lex. And uh, today we have a very special guest, Susan Orlean. Great to be with you guys. I, I might not be pronouncing that correctly. Try it. No, it's Susan. You got that the, right. <laughs> the Susan sounded really good, and actually... How far, you, how far off was I? You were on the nose, and I've heard lots wow. of versions of my last name, so I would say you were top ten. Oh, wow. wow. It's a... It's it's an honor just to be here. Yeah, well, I think that what you should do is look into the profession of name pronunciation. <laughs> He'd be good. You've at got it. a knack for sure. No, so how do you say it? I want I want to hear Orlean. Dave say it again. In that, oh, oh Orlean. Yeah. So Dave, you said Orlean too. You nailed it. Yeah, apparently, That's so I'm told. I, well, you were my you were my coach on that, so I believe <laughs> you get some of the credit. Well, well I, I mean, I, yeah, I said it right before we started. And then I realized, oh, shit, I don't know if I actually said it the right way. And then uh, I was glad that you were the one who was going to be doing the introductions. I've had Orléans, <laughs> which sounded very, very posh. I've had lots of versions. The funniest thing is my husband's last name is Gillespie. You figure that's not such an unusual name. It's it's actually a you know, fairly familiar name. He has had everything from Jizz Pepsi... <laughs> to, <laughs> it's, which i have never had by yeah, the way uh, <laughs> it no, does not I mean, sound he, refreshing the mispronunciations are really kind of epic and puzzling because it, it's just not that uncommon of a name and it's also spelled exactly as it sounds so we always brace ourselves as you know we're say checking into a hotel and they say mr and mrs garpep <laughs> See, for me, what I, the advantage, I guess before the do not call list really worked its magic was that if somebody called and asked for Mr. Friedman, I knew that they didn't know who I was and I didn't have to bother continuing with the phone conversation. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, or th- similarly, because I don't use my married name, if anyone says Mrs. Gillespie, I think click. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> for me, it's if anybody addresses me as David. Nobody calls me David. So if somebody calls on the phone and says, is David there? Or if I get mail for David, I know I can just discard it. That's a funny <laughs> thing, though. I remember when I first started working at The New Yorker and my editor was, everybody called him by a nickname, but I didn't feel entitled to use this nickname because he had never introduced himself to me by that nickname mm. or, you know, that it just was very awkward for me. And so for... A very long time, I called him Mr. McGrath, which is very funny because nobody called anybody Mr. Anything. But (laughs) I just thought it seems so kind of fresh and um, unearned to call him by his nickname. That's always a tricky one. If somebody has a nickname, at what point are you okay calling them that? A friend of ours and former guest, Serenity Caldwell, everybody calls her Ren, and I've still never felt comfortable calling her Ren. Well, you almost feel as if it really requires the person sort of saying you're in. You can use that nickname. And and I actually take great umbrage at people. This is usually something that car salesmen do. They'll say, Sue, what uh, what kind of car are you looking at? And I think, first of all, I don't remember telling you to call me a nickname. Secondly, that's not even my nickname. Thirdly, I hate that name. Wait, what Nobody... is your nickname, though? Do we get to find out your nickname? Susie. Wow, see, I had no idea. Reveal. That's really good. 
Yeah, that's between you, me, and your thousands of listeners. Right. And then also my my family has a nickname for me that nobody ever uses except <laughs> my family. So I, I would fall dead away. It has nothing to do with the name Susan. It's, you know, a childhood nickname. But it's, to me, the true sign of... These are people who read Dale Carnegie, and it probably... <laughs> at some point in Dale Carnegie says a good way to establish intimacy is call someone by a nickname. And my reaction is a good way to totally alienate somebody is to immediately call them by a nickname that you're not sure they use. See, I'm 100% on board with this. My full name is Alexander and just absolutely nobody calls me Alexander because my parents called me Lex from day one. I call you Al. Yeah. I had one ex-girlfriend who called me Xander. I was fine with that at the time. But I mean, just about everybody calls me Lex, including my parents. Uh, so certainly if I hear Alexander, I know that they don't know me. But, you know, when I'm filling out doctor's forms or whatever, I always write Alexander Friedman. And they will, to a man or woman, will always come in and say, how's it going, Alex? And if you don't correct them right away, which I often don't, because there's really, I found, no way to do it that isn't obnoxious. <laughs> and that might just be a reflection on me and not the situation. But if you don't correct them right away, then you are now Alex forever. So I've got doctors who've been calling me Alex for, you know, more than a decade. <laughs> and it's uh, it's just way too late to fix it now. Uh, and I, I hate it. I hate being called Alex because it's not my name. I don't feel like an Alex. And You should file to have your name changed. From Alexander to Lex? Why not? I'd have to learn a new signature. Oh, God. Do you sign checks, Alexander? I sign checks Alexander C. Friedman. So it takes about five Whoa. minutes from beginning to end. See, I sign wow. checks D. Squiggly Line, W. Squiggly Line. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay either way. Yeah. I, I pay electronically. <laughs> yeah. You win. <laughs> I was I really, when you said sign checks, I was thinking endorse. I endorse checks, Alexander C. Friedman. I was thinking other documents that aren't checks because this isn't the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very funny. When I got married, my mom said to me, you know, oh, aren't you excited to change your name? And I said, no, I, first of all, I'm not going to change my name. But why would I be excited to change my name? Well, of course, in her generation, you know, girls would practice signing their name with their boyfriend's last name as a, as a kind of daydream. And it, it was something that a lot of women were excited about. So I did not, actually, when I got married, I did legally, you can opt to have the legal right to use both your maiden name and your married name, or you can opt out of the married name altogether, or you can opt into the married name. So I thought, well, for a variety of reasons, including convenience, I'll just opt in to have all of the options. So my mom then, every time she would send, say, a check for my birthday or something, she would write Susan Gillespie. And, <laughs> you know, in a way, I was very lucky that I had opted in for the legal use of that name. And then when I would have to sign the check to endorse it, I would never do it very well because I never, I never signed that name. Right, I that never... wasn't the name you were doodling in Trapper Keepers or anything. Well, right, exactly. I'm trying to imagine how, what is life like with two signatures? That's You're almost a spy at that point. <laughs> well, or schizophrenic, for sure. <laughs> Either one. 
my parents still, uh, you know, many people do this because, like I said, everybody calls me Lex. But when I do get paper checks, even my parents are guilty of this. They'll write them to Lex Friedman. And my bank wants me to endorse as Alexander C. Friedman. So I have to sign twice when I get a check to Lex Friedman. They want me to sign first as Lex Friedman and then underneath that is Alexander C. Friedman. So, uh, and that, when you combine the Alexander C. Friedman with the Lex Friedman, you're talking like a full minute before my checks are endorsed. And it's, uh, <laughs> you poor it's soul. a problem. Yeah. I'm For saying. me, the, the, the gap between Dave and David is small enough that this never really comes <laughs> up. Right. I mean, that that's a, a you know, it's pretty much the same letters but right. there's there's three letters in lex and 97 letters in alexander or something like that yeah right well, i haven't done very, math names are funny i mean it's interesting i understand why people have say their twitter account with a with not their name but i've i've gotten to know an awful lot of people on twitter who have entered the realm of being friends even though we've never met in real life and in many cases i haven't i still don't know their names i mean the this christmas i found myself suddenly in dire need of someone to take care of my two cats while i was away and i just i was tearing my hair out because cats are difficult in terms of you don't want to put them in a boarding place or anything sure so i on on Twitter, I just said, oh, my God, you know, anybody feel like taking care of two really nice cats? Well, a person I've been communicating with on Twitter in a very friendly, regular way for four or five years now, and who I didn't even know if this person was a man or a woman because the Twitter handle was entirely gender genderless, as was okay. the <laughs> avatar. And this person offered very warmly to take care of the cats. So when I said to my husband, I'm so excited, um, so-and-so, you know, (laughs) insert Twitter handle here, said he, she would take care of the cats. (laughs) My husband said, what what are you doing? What are you talking about? You're going to take our cats to somebody you don't even know if it's a man or a woman. You don't know the name of the person, you know. And it cracked me up, but I said, well, yeah, but that doesn't matter. I mean, he, she has a really cute little red robot as <laughs> an so avatar. We know they're trustworthy, whoever this person is. Nobody with a red robot avatar could be dangerous or creepy. Or a robot. Maybe with- it's not an, an avatar. Maybe it's an actual, like, school picture. Right. I would trust a red robot with with my kittens, I think. <laughs> but it was really funny because, you know, I then it, it, it was a woman. And when I learned her actual name, you know, it was a real sort of adjustment. <laughs> Dolores. That's you have a what name? I you have a name? And I have no idea at all why she happened to... I mean, there's nothing in her Twitter handle that is sort of similar to her name or, you know, not like L.A. girl or something. I don't even it's like a nonsense word. So the whole thing amuses me because I've always just used my real name, though, on occasion, I guess I I wonder why. In the AOL days, people generally had, in my recollection, at least they had goofier screen names. Um, and 
that continued for a long time on the web, I think, where there were people, you know, you might have a, a somewhat reflective username, but I feel like it wasn't until Facebook that real names became a the true web currency for identity. And then on Twitter, you've got some of each. You've got people like you and me and Dave who use their real names or reasonable facsimiles thereof. And then you've got, you know, I have people who come up to me and say, hey, Lex, you know me on Twitter. I'm Satan's lair. I'm like, oh, hi, Satan's lair. It's good to meet you. (laughs) Actually, I have somebody who I've met in person who is Satan's robot. Not the same person, I think, who watched your cats. Well, that would be a red robot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I understand why you know, at some point, all the good usernames will be gone. When my kids want to join Twitter in 20 years, they're going to really have to scrape the bottom of the barrel. But it's it's surprising to me now that people are already saying, well, you know, I could go with my name, but I'm going to go with this combination of two nouns. And I, I, I get it, but it still, it surprises me every time. I think it was uh, fear. We used to be afraid of the internet. Right. And we were told that there were cyber attackers who were going to steal your identity. And uh, Sandra Bullock had us all really paranoid. But also, <laughs> I think it it depends what your purpose is. I think if you're a person with a, oh, God, I'm going to actually say this word, <laughs> brand. You know, you're a writer, you're a whatever, a performer. The You know, you figure your name, you want to um the accretion of uh exposure is a good thing i you know generally i mean if i were on twitter to make dirty jokes and insult people then i'd probably come up with a uh you know of some kooky name and and there's no way anyone can find out who you really are right on twitter i'm trying to remember i mean there there's nowhere I mean, Twitter has a real email account associated right. with your right, name, right. but that there doesn't... are definitely anonymous Twitter accounts where we still don't know necessarily who is behind them. It, it right. seems like most of those have been discovered not through Twitter as a mechanism, but be, from people doing research and like trying to pattern match and looking for whatever. Yeah, but it, you know, it really, um, it really depends why you do this stuff online. And I will say, as an aside. Being a a loving mother, I already got my son's Gmail address. Wow! With his name and his domain name, I purchased just because I'm that kind of mom. I think about there should be a service that does that. Like, is there a company out there where you say I'm having a baby and, and here's the name, and you can like just with one click order all of that stuff? <laughs> Actually, that would be. Uh oh! I see a business happening That's right, right now. Be careful! We're sp- we just formed a startup. I know, but it, it, I'll get I the did it. it. What's funny is I I I just thought you know the total expenditure is like twenty dollars, so it's not a big deal. But I actually wanted to get his email address without numbers and all that nonsense, just because it's nice to have your name without having any you know. Susan Orlean five seven nine thirty five sixty seven B exclamation point at Gmail. You know, it's it's awfully nice to just have my name. I mean, for a while when when I was growing up, I wanted a vanity license plate and couldn't afford it. So there were several years where I legally changed my name to UXG one zero D. Did you? Oh God. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's in, I've thought about that with my own kids. Like I, I was really certain that Facebook vanity URLs were going to be important. And I was, I, I was going through the process and I was signing up my, I mean, at the time she was probably three, she's now six. Uh, and I was going to, I was going to do it. And then right before I pushed the button to create this account, I said, you know what, this is going to be her thing. Cause what if, what if I picked a, a name? Cause you never get to change your Facebook username. What if I pick one that she doesn't like? And then she's, you know, I guess the answer that I didn't think of at the time was, well, she could just create a new account. But and she's definitely not going to like a long string of numbers at the end. Right. But I just, I don't know. I, I, just, I, I think that you probably are writer about this than I am, Susan, because I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, I got nervous. We, we certainly, we, we have an email address for her and, and for my other two as well, but that's just because I already own the domain for, you know, the Freedmans. And, uh, but I, I, I started that process and then I chickened out. I said, what if they don't want it? And what if I've burdened them with something that they now regret my having gotten for them? You know how this whole thing, um, came up for me was when a friend of mine, um, told me that she was as a, a baby gift now she was buying the domain name of as a gift for new parents for their baby and i thought it was so funny and such a cool idea and then i thought wow maybe i should just go and see if my son's name as a domain is available um and it was and i thought all right i'm just gonna get it i mean certainly there's nothing on the page and chances are by the time He's old enough to care. Websites will be totally defunct as a as a personal thing. But I, the email account seemed worth getting. So you know, because he gets like one email a month, usually from one of his old babysitters saying, "Hi, how are you? How's school?" And <laughs> it, it's very cute. And I have them all linked to mine, so I see exactly what email he's getting. But <laughs> It it was um this is the kind of thing I don't think my parents thought about when I was right. born. I think it's one of the more important things to worry about as a parent. And I say that half jokingly. I think that there is a real sense of namespace and not just that I'm expecting Twitter to still be around in in 20 years. I don't necessarily expect that. But just the like thinking about your your kids identity in the the digital world. That's a thing that we're going to have to do now. This is yeah. it's still new, so it's easy to think of it as a passing thing. But this is this is going to be a real problem. It's funny. I mean, it's the, you know, there's an awareness of names now just because they appear in all these other other places that they never did before. Right, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, and all of that. I mean, this is where I find it really interesting that. Rather than obliterating the past, a lot of technology and the internet and things that we live with now, they've sort of revived the importance of certain things like your name or like writing. As I was saying to somebody the other day, people probably write more now than they ever did, which is exactly the opposite of what everybody likes to say about the existence of the internet. Right. Yeah, it's just the context that changes. We're writing in shorter bursts now. Right, except for the few people I know who post, you know, 3,000-word 
posts on Facebook <laughs> where I just think, shut up. Oh, I, I thought for sure you just meant people who do 3,000 word posts in tweet form one after the other, like Glenn Fleischman, who haven't actually learned how Twitter is supposed to work. Name drop. Right. You want to say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, do you realize this is kind of meant to be <laughs> individual short thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> If that doesn't go on the back of Glenn's next book, I'll be surprised. Oh, that would be brilliant. My friend Jay, uh, a former guest, Jay Graves, he has a daughter uh, named Madeline. And for her first birthday, I, through various channels, secured a Twitter name for her. Uh, her, her nickname, I forget who gave it to her, a family member, I think. Uh, her name is Madeline, but her nickname is Mad Dog. And so for her first birthday, I gave her the Twitter name Mad Dog, which uh, I had to, like, you, you got to know a guy and, you know, slip some stuff under a table and there's like a dead drop and it's very, very uh, sketchy. But to have that as a, a, a username, especially on Twitter, where a six character username is kind of a, it's a big deal at this point. I don't know if, she, if she's going to appreciate that anytime in the next five, six <laughs> years. But if Twitter does happen to still be around when she's a teenager, that that's going to be huge. Oh, yeah. Or she's going to really hate that nickname. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's awesome. Why, why are six-letter usernames so rare? Just because They're all they've taken. been all taken? They're all taken and taken by people who ended up abandoning the service a lot of the time. Because I would, I would venture to guess that most people who sign up for Twitter don't remain active Twitter users. It's some smaller percentage of people who sign up who keep with it. Yeah, and especially early on. And there was a big problem with like even three-letter usernames went very quickly, but then were abandoned. And the I think the official policy is that Twitter doesn't allow you to change a, a user or doesn't release usernames. But if you go through their support channels, as long as the name hasn't been used in a certain period of time, uh, you can possibly maybe get them to respond to your support request by releasing the name. Oh, so they'll they'll let it be used again. I yeah. keep trying to get twitter.com slash Lex instead of Lex Fry because well, I say Lex Fry, everybody else I know says Lex Free. And the, the girl who owns it will take uh, months off from tweeting. And I think, oh, I'm going to get to this window where I can finally do it. And then she'll like get back into it again. But literally, you know, months and months of silence. And then boom, she's back on again. It's very painful for me. Mm, that's, yeah, that's annoying. It's funny. Somebody once said to me, oh, how did you get Susan Orlean? As, uh, and, <laughs> You know, and I said, well, what, who who else would want it? I mean, it's not exactly a common name. It was very <laughs> funny. I thought, hmm, think about that. And Twitter's very good about squatters. That's why I like using at Whiskers. It's not a common name anywhere. So yeah. Whiskers, I bet. I, I, that's pretty much free anywhere I go. I think I already told the story, Dave, didn't I, about how I became Lex Fry on the internet? <laughs> I think you did. The the very short version for attentive listeners who have forgotten and for Susan who hasn't heard it uh, was that when I tried to sign up as Lex when I first got to Brandeis my freshman year, the first day of school, uh, their system crashed. And so I couldn't be Lex. Like the name became taken, even though it hadn't been assigned to me. So then I tried to sign up again as Lex F. And the same thing happened because it was so overburdened with students trying to get their username. So finally, I went to Lex Fry and that worked. And oh. then I've just been Lex Fry ever since. It's, it's a good thing you skipped straight to Lex Fry because you might be Lex Fur right, right now. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. That's not good. Or Lex, Lex Fried. Fur? I get my Lex Fur waxed from time to time. Yes. 
or just fried? I, and honestly, I don't know what would have happened if Lex, if the same issue had happened again. Now, the fact that I kept trying is also ridiculous since it had failed twice in a row. And then I went for the third time and it actually did work. But if, if I hadn't been Lex Fry, I think the next one I would have gone for would have been Lex Fried. And I really am glad that that's not who I am. Oh, God, my, yeah. Or that, switch up Fried Lex. Right. <laughs> that would be, actually, that would be funny. <laughs> That'd be funny if you were like following fish around on tour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fried legs. I get it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a meteorology teacher in high school. Uh, my senior year of high school, you could either take humanities or uh, meteorology. And I hate uh, the teacher. Well, I don't know if I still hate him or if he's still the teacher, but I, hate, I hated the teacher who was responsible for the humanities class. So I did the meteorology class, which was supposed to be for the, uh, the, the less ambitious children. Hate is a really <laughs> strong word, Lex. Yeah, I know. I hate him. But uh, he, he was Did he convinced. punch you or something? What happened? What's the backstory? Yes. Oh, no, I just found the, the, the teacher of that humanities class unpleasant. It's not a good story. I just didn't, didn't like them. No, no. But maybe he but touched you. The, the meteorology teacher was convinced that I should get a career in radio and that my radio stage name should be Lex Free, F-R-E-E, and that that would be way better. I never did it, but every time I say my name in this show, I always think, should I have gone with Lex Free instead? You could have you had it all. I know. You would have sounded like a diet soft drink. <laughs> When I was running for student council in uh, junior high, I came up with a what I still think is a brilliant campaign slogan, which was "Vote for Susan," um, or you'll well, get a actually <laughs> "Vote for Susie" because that's what everybody called me at the time. I'll, I'll be your leader in times fat or lean. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, that's awesome. Did you come up with it? Did somebody give you the tagline or was it all yours? I came up with it. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's one for the ages. (laughs) It still (laughs) cracks me up to think about it. And I really thought, oh, wow, I have nailed it. This election is mine. (laughs) Did you win? (laughs) No. God damn it. I know. I know. I feel that way. Even now, I'm still bitter. You know, I ran for student class president going into senior year. And I was not popular enough to run for student class president, but I just decided, screw it, I'm going to try this and see what happens. And there were two other guys, both of whom were popular enough to do it. And when they counted the votes after the first election, it was 132 to 132 to 131. Oh. And no way. I, I was the 131. And so they had to do a runoff with just the two of them. And I was so close. And then I found out like that six of my friends hadn't even bothered voting because they thought it was hopeless. Now, that's probably true for the other ones, but I don't think about the other ones. I just think about me. But I had friends who didn't even bother voting for me because they thought it was hopeless. And I could have been somebody. You could have been somebody. I could have been Lex Free, student president. <laughs> if I ever run for president, my friend gave me the best campaign slogan, which is that my last name is Whiskus. And he, the, the slogan he gave me was, if you're not Whiskus, you're against us. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I kind of like that. That's really good. This puts me in mind of two movies. One is Election, which if you haven't seen it, you should. The first movie I saw with my wife, but back when before she was my wife when we were dating, that was our first date was we saw that movie. Oh, my God. It's pretty hilarious. Dave, uh, have you seen The Election? Uh, no, this is a movie that you've seen and I have not. Oh, yeah. you should see it. It's, it's really funny. I'm it's, putting it on my list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I would say it's both Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon's best work. Absolutely. I mean, it is it's kind of a perfect movie and it will throw you back into remembering 
painfully these high school student council elections. But also, I'm just thinking about you losing that election by one vote and how different your life might have been. Did you ever see the movie Sliding Doors? I did not. Well, this is a... It's Actually, it's kind of a... I really like it also. Oh, it's a movie starring Gwyneth Paltrow, and she is a young woman who uh, leaves her house one morning and heads to the subway, and the movie then bifurcates, and it shows one version of her life had she made the subway train that she, she just misses in one version. She's just missed the train and has to wait for the next one. And in the other version of the movie, she makes the train. And her life completely changes because of that one missed moment. And it's actually kind of a great movie and also a little spooky because it makes you look at things like that like you losing Are you telling me that this losing this presidential election was actually a much bigger deal than I've taken it to be? Yes. Well, I, you know, I just got sad. You really could have been somebody. It's a butterfly <laughs> flapping its wings on the equator, baby. Right. It it resonates and yeah, I mean just think. You why well, I, I don't even want to start bumming <laughs> you out, but what have I done? It's, you know, I've talked on this show before about, um, I, you know, I moved from L.A. to New Jersey when we were ready to start our family and ready to give up on our L.A. dreams. And the day after I left I uh, is when the groundlings finally called me and said that I was ready to do the final class before you could get to the, you know, from the school into the actual groundlings company. Um, You're kidding. And- yeah, well, I mean, I'd gone through the class for years and years, and then you, there was this, at the, you know, the Groundling School has gotten insanely popular since it's one of three main places that Saturday Night Live finds actors. And so the wait list to get to those advanced classes got longer and longer. And by the time I was on the wait list, I, I was waiting for, I think, about 22 months when we moved. So just shy of two years was when they finally called and said I could do it, but I was gone. And um, wow. I usually do a good job of not thinking about it and not becoming consumed with depression and sadness and rage mostly because you know the choice i made was hey i'm gonna have this family and i'm really happy with my family and i'm glad that i have it uh but then every once in a while i see people you know now people younger than me get on saturday night live or i see people who i went to high school with or who were friends of people i went to you know people who are of my generation of my age group who are now becoming very successful in film or in comedy television and it's very uh it's like man if i hadn't decided, well, it's time to give up so I can focus on my family. Maybe it would have worked out. But uh, I really, like I say, I try not to devote any attention to it so that I don't uh, cry. It's true <laughs> what they say. You you miss 100% of the shots you don't make. Yeah. Oh, well, the, absolutely. And But I also think at those moments where I have that little flicker of, oh, my God, if only, if only, I also then counteract that by thinking of the serendipity that led to some of the incredibly happy things in my life. And I, I almost get, I like to sort of freak myself out thinking, what if I hadn't answered that phone from my friend who then fixed me up with my now husband? And, or what if I hadn't been eavesdropping on my office mate and heard that the New Yorker was looking for new writers or, you know, and I, part of me thinks that things always work out the way they're supposed to professionally. Although I do think that there's an awful lot of serendipity with meeting people. That's different. Cause I do think, wow, 
I could have very easily never met my husband because it almost feels kind of like a happy accident. Right. Um, but with work stuff, I feel slightly less that way because I feel, I mean, I do, but then I also think, well, then something else would have happened. Right. I mean, it is crazy when you think about it. Cause I have never thought about it in terms of my wife, but it's definitely true. I happen to be in the student center with a buddy of mine when she was selling tickets to a show of hers. And we both happen to have literally, you know, within the past couple of days broken up with significant others that we each assume the other was still dating. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of chance involved. I, you know, it's, I think that what you just said before about a lot of professional stuff, you know, if is going to, I forget how you said it, but you know, the idea being that if, if it's meant to happen, it's going to happen that that professional stuff sort of works its way out. And, I think that's something that you and I say when you've done well professionally. <laughs> and it's, I don't know that it's true. Like, I feel very fortunate to be where I am today. And it's, I think, only because I had good luck in picking jobs. But that was based on, you know, how well written their Craigslist ads were uh, mm-hmm. five or 10 years ago. There is science for this. And it tends to be the people who can recognize opportunity and execute on it are the people who find more opportunity. And the people who don't understand, I call it luck. You know, Dave, we should take a moment to acknowledge this week's sponsor. Maybe more than a moment. Yeah, you know what? We've got one sponsor with two different apps for us to talk about. And sometimes these run a little bit long. But uh, that's because we care. We love our sponsors and our listeners do too. We want to do more than just tell you the name of the sponsor. We want to tell you why they're great. So the sponsor is is Agile Tortoise, makers of two very fine iOS apps I want to talk about. The first is Drafts, where text starts on iOS. All right, so the idea is you can quickly capture any kind of text. You tap on the Drafts icon on your iPhone or iPad, and the app launches almost instantly. You can put in phone numbers, addresses, tasks, notes, whatever. And then the, the true brilliance there, Dave, is you can send the text you've typed in anywhere you want. They've got two, I think, my at last count, 2.6 million different actions built into drafts. You can send stuff to email, reminders, calendar events, messages, Twitter, Facebook, app.net, Dropbox, Evernote, and a huge list of third-party apps. You can actually tweet or send emails and do other stuff like that directly from within the app. And, uh, you know, the app is very customizable. It's got markdown support. Federico Vitici over at Mac Stories loves to make little shortcuts for fast actions to do with drafts so he's a big fan of that yeah and i i they have a, a nice url that you can go to they're, they're at agiletortoise.com slash drafts but if you instead go to unprofesh1.notlong.com then they'll know that we sent you there unprofesh1.notlong.com is going to take you straight to drafts with all of the magic unprofessional tracking data in the url and it's it's good for us if the sponsor knows that the people came from us it, it uh it helps to show how awesome our listeners are that's right now the other app is one that I literally use literally? a lot. Literally. <laughs> I literally use this app all the time. You've, you, you, wow. I all the time. Stopped. Literally, I, literally I have never time. stopped. I'm never not using this app. I'm using it right now. The app is what does sleep? the podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's called Phraseology. And you can find it, by the way, at unprofesh2.notlong.com. Or you can go to agiletortoise.com slash phraseology. But it's an it's a iPad app for writing. It's text and markdown focused. It's what I use anytime I'm working on my iPad. I write my stories for Macworld uh, in phraseology. It's a, you know, it's one of those 
text apps that wants to get everything else out of your way, which it's good at, but it's also got these very clever iPad specific features. So if you, I don't know, I could not have written successfully for a living Dave in the age of typewriters because I learned to write on computers. So I know about copying and pasting and moving paragraphs around and phraseology has this built in mode where you can arrange your paragraphs. You drag around paragraphs and sentences without having to do tap and hold, copy and paste things. It's got this special mode that just makes it really sane and easy. And it's got the, uh, an inspect view where you can see a breakdown of what words you used, parts of speech. And also this was my suggestion back when phraseology was in beta 200 years ago. You can get your readability scores from things like the flesh Kincaid scale and the gunning fog score and the smog index. And I love that. So it's like you wrote this at an 11th grade level and then I can feel proud of myself. (laughs) These things, uh, you're, you're, you might be more of a nerd than I thought you were. Dude, I love it, but it's unprofesh one and unprofesh two dot not long.com. You should check out both drafts and phraseology. They're great apps. And these are from Agile Tortoise, uh, who also gave us X callback URL. So yeah. uh, apps being able to kick over to other apps, then kick back. Uh, very, very developer-friendly, very uh, community-focused. People. Greg Pierce, who's behind Agile Tortoise, he, uh, he knows his shit. I'm not going to lie to you. You can put that on your resume. Hey, you know what else we should talk about? What else should we talk about? We should talk about how people can socially network with us. <laughs> well, I don't like to talk about that in public much, but yes. They can socially network with us at twitter.com slash unprofesh, at facebook.com slash unprofesh, or if they can't remember those URLs, just go to unprofesh.com, and we'll have those Twitter and Facebook links right there. You're, you're forgetting a big one. App.net slash unprofesh. Yes. Finally, at long last, yeah. the world's we, most greatest podcast is on app.net. We've heard your cries. Get on app.net, you assholes, you have said, and we have responded. <laughs> By popular demand, we're finally on app.net. And uh, the other thing you should do is uh, maybe if you have time, maybe go on over to iTunes and type in unprofessional and click on the thing and uh, maybe give us five stars. You know, that was a long way to just ask people to rate us on iTunes, but I appreciate that you, you laid out every step. I, I just, I, I don't want to feel, I don't want people to feel pressured. First, you need to create the universe. Then get to computers, iTunes, launch iTunes, and then from there you can, you know, search for professional and do that. Like if you happen to have iTunes open and you're looking through podcasts and you happen to see us because we're currently featured in your country, <laughs> or you happen to just type in the word unprofessional because you're looking for something unrelated to us, uh, we will be the first result. Maybe you could click on it and maybe you give us five stars. That's all I'm saying. But back to luck. It's an interesting thing, you know, the the great, uh, I think, E.B. White line that you have to be prepared to be lucky. and <laughs> I like that. You know, it it's not like, you know, a lightning bolt hits you and transforms everything in your life. You do have to be somehow poised to take advantage of opportunity and you have to deliver on it. Right. So a lot of times when people ask me about work and I always say, well, you know... I got lucky, this lucky break happened, that lucky break happened. But I always feel a little bit like, I don't entirely believe that. I've seen people with good opportunities who've blown them and, you know, didn't deliver or simply didn't take advantage of it. And and similarly, I feel like I've worked really hard. So it's not just luck. It's not, you know, yes, there was luck and I... I leaped on those lucky opportunities and made something of them. In the case of meeting my husband, you know, yes, it was luck. He had just gotten separated. The timing was sort of perfect. But I also was saying to friends, you know, fix me up. I want to meet people. And I'll go out with anybody, you know. I say that all the time. 
<laughs> right. I'm I'm married, but it's still fix me up. No, I. <laughs> I remember at the time, uh, you know, I was going to be fixed up with this guy, and at that time, my husband was an investment banker, and I was having dinner with a friend like the day before our first date. And she said, oh, you don't want to go out with an investment banker. Oh, that's so boring. That's so icky. And I said, oh, you're right. You're right. I can't believe I said yes. And then I said to her, you know what, though? She said, oh, cancel. And I said, oh, but then it'll be embarrassing because I'll come up with a fib and then he'll propose a different day to meet and it'll just I'll just go and sort of get it over with. And of course, you know, I met my husband. I immediately... We just instantly bonded. And I laugh thinking back about what a dumb thing that would have been to say, well, I don't like the job the person does. Of course, I didn't even know what it meant to be an investment banker. So it was out of both ignorance and an absurd kind of bias. But do you think that you're, that bias, that sense of lowered expectation, and you, you went into the situation thinking that nothing was going to happen, do you think that maybe not having inflated expectations served to, to improve the situation? Oh, definitely. I mean, What you a know, good question, Dave. I, <laughs> I think that, that's so often. Two points. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Actually, it was from a three-point line. I think nice. that's a three-pointer. I'm, I'm killing it today. Yeah. But uh, definitely, you know, I I just thought All right, I'm just going to go and kind of do my duty because he's a friend of a friend and that would really look cheesy to cancel. So I did go in with very limited expectations. And and then it's, of course, you know, it's all upside at that point. You know, other times you meet people or you go into a situation expecting them to be perfect and they can be nothing but a disappointment. So this is why I'm single. <laughs> it's one of several reasons. <laughs> but it, you know what I am? I think that it is um, the idea that luck is just luck is isn't the whole story. It's it's this very complex choreography of opportunity and enterprise and good fortune and all of that that combines so here's here's what i'm wondering at this point now that we've you know shared all this discussion with you uh can i call you Susie? Ooh, 